0: Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Talking Cock, the podcast, the cockcast, the rodcast, whatever you want to call it. Um, I might be a bit of a tired one today, I'm uh, on tour already, it's sort all of kicked off uh, this week. Um, I'm currently in my parents' house in Cheddar in Somerset, which is apt because this week we're going to be talking about childhood memories of my penis. Many of which of mine happened in this very house, sometimes in this very room. Um, but actually, I'm in my sister's bedroom, or was my sister's bedroom. So, no, none of that was. Although, I've got one story about that later, but you'll find out. Um, so, the tour's been going okay. i uh, been out to um, Fareham, which was a lovely gig in Hampshire, and uh, Canterbury, and then this week, uh, Cheddar. Last night I was in Bath, tonight I'm in Bridge End in Wales, Friday in Shrewsbury, Sunday. In Birmingham So uh, there are tickets left for most of the shows A few of them are sold out A few of them are very close to selling out I will go through what's coming up uh, At the end of the uh, podcast Though I think uh, we're heading out to The north uh, Yorkshire and Manchester areas next week So uh, It be lovely if you wanted to come along to those uh, So yes, childhood is uh, this week's Topic um, uh, The gonna talk about my childhood memories i've got a few of yours and i've got a few extra answers from the podcast from the uh website i'm very tired i'm very very tired uh so <laughs> it's gonna be terrible today but uh sit back and i know a lot of you like to go to sleep listening to my podcast so just lie back don't touch that leave that alone and uh try and sleep to my uh to my stories of childhood. Um, I've got lots of, of my own stories of childhood. Some of this is going to come from the book, Talking Cock, which you can get from Go Faster Stripe. Uh, some of it will come from my memory. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I, as I say in the show, I was very lucky with my childhood. I had a very happy childhood, uh, as I think many of us do. But um, uh, I remember being sort of proud of my penis rather than ashamed of it. I think that comes later from adults. Uh, imposing their views on us, but I was. I walked around the house naked till I was about 14 years old, if I'm honest. Uh, and I was obsessed with uh, pe- body parts uh, from a very young age. Um, I used to shout the words Willy and Wee Wee as often as possible, but also I had a catchphrase for about I think a good 10 years, uh, which was Wee Wee Poo Poo Bottom, which I used to love saying. And my, I remember my parents getting exasperated by it, trying to make me stop it. Uh, but the fact they tried to make me stop it made me want to do it more Uh, (laughs) I think probably within that I mean essentially my whole adult act has been just going wee wee poo poo bottom uh, for the last 25 years so um, uh, and some people don't find it funny and I still do so it's a a shame Uh, I've got a few other guys uh, got a few little memories here from childhood they'll go through some, some more ones but these are kind of Similar to that. One guy says, I used to run round with my pants round my ankle shouting, Willy man. Wish I'd thought of that. That's pretty good. Uh, He remembers at the age someone else, at the age of five, at dinner with the whole family, I walked in and proclaimed, I love my penis more and more and more. I haven't changed my mind yet, although it can be a bit more love-hate now. Um, Another guy says, I used to piss at the same time as my brother. We used to cross streams. That amused us. I used to pretend my penis was a gear stick to my dad's car and practice the gears while I was in bed. Uh, So I think as kids we see this uh, penis as a funny and maybe a highly amusing plaything. Not much changes, does it? But we are also aware of the comedy value. So much, how much of our puerile, penile merriment is down to the ridiculous, prudish attitude of adults. We know it's naughty to talk about them or display them. Yeah, our young hearts tell us that these restrictions are wrong. How can using your penis as a gear stick be anything but a life-affirming delight? Uh, and, of course, the embarrassment of our parents really makes our rebellion more amusing. One has to wonder if we weren't faced with this contradiction so early in our life, would we still be finding the penis as funny as grown-ups? Is it the proved disapproval of the knob gag that actually perpetuates it? Which is kind of, again, an interesting thing um, from last week's show. But uh, I'll give you some other memories of my memories of childhood and then we'll move on to more from, from the survey. Um, and some of these are pretty shameful. Uh, but I think by sharing them, Hopefully people will realise that they're not alone if they did shameful things. Uh, I remember when I was used to live in Loughborough. When I was between the ages of four and eight. Uh, the little girl next door. Um, we were very close friends. And we used to play, you know, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. Um, and uh, it's probably more out of anatomical curiosity than anything else. Uh, but we were aware that we were doing something wrong. We kind of hid in the garage or in the toilet in order to do it. Uh, as I got older, I remember... Uh, the bewilderment of some of the things I was starting to feel. At the age of seven, I remember thinking, if I got three wishes, um, one of them would be to have a whole bar of chocolate to myself, which shows my other main obsession. But the one was definitely to have the blonde one out of ABBA appear in my bedroom in just her bra and pants. Um, Or maybe even just her pants sometimes. Uh, I wasn't sure why I wanted this, and I didn't know what I would do if she materialised. I don't think I would have made her sing Waterloo. Not on her own. It would be no good without the others. Uh, but I also had very similar. Stra- I think you forget you sort of had these feelings of love and lust uh, very early on. I remember um, uh, the celebrities I I fell for were quite quite weird. Nana Mouskouri, you may remember, uh, she was on an advert. It's quite a long advert that was on in the daytime, and I was I was quite obsessed with her. I also was quite obsessed with the, the Brian Connolly, the not Brian Connolly, that would be ridiculous. Brian Connolly, the lead singer of Sweet he had blonde blonde hair he looked like a lady I was confused they were deliberately sweet with deliberately playing around with perceptions of gender I was just joining in with that I also liked Barry Manilow um, but also very early on you know I was I think we were all fascinated with sex but maybe me more so I remember seeing um, various TV shows that I shouldn't have watched I saw an open university or a schools programme about how babies were made uh, and uh, I found that quite fascinating and I, I remember going in uh, to my parents and that must have been four or five uh, and telling them how babies were made that little tadpoles swam around because <laughs> you know it had all been blown up so I didn't really understand it and also I was as I, I think I revealed in the show um, The Headmaster's Son which is a great show if you want to buy it on DVD from Go Faster Strike um, that uh, another thing I saw was a, a, the a, a do- an Open University Definitely documentary which I saw twice about the uh, surrealist film Un Chien Andalou Louis Brunel and other people uh, Louis Brunel and uh, in that there was a scene where this kind of scary man was chasing after a woman and she was running away she was all scared, it's a black and white silent film uh, and then he kind of corners her and he's got all ants all over his hands and it's kind of weird then he sort of grabs her breasts and starts massaging her breast, and um, and then the, 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 in, in the imagination you see he's massaging her bare breast. Uh, and I, you know i knew what i was seeing I was wrong but i knew i liked it and then there're ants all over his hands i don't don't think it had any effect on my adult sexuality i mean i can only get sexually aroused if a woman is covered in ants now or dressed as an ant um that's not even in the film uh and if anyone says they've got ants in their pants i do immediately ejaculate but you know i don't think it's affected me <laughs> at all um but other things i did as i got older um uh I was I was kind of amazed uh, as I, I was about sort of nine or ten by my own erection, um, and, for, and and I kind of thought no one was ever going to see it. I thought it was the most amazing thing, and I kind of couldn't imagine I'd ever get a girlfriend. So I'd occasionally I've kind of had this desire to show it to the world, and I'd sort of stand by by my bedroom window with my erection and kind of open the window, uh, open the curtains rather, and <laughs> stick it out the window. Uh, and you know I just did it, and it, it's a side house side window, so it wasn't. Uh, no one ever saw one I think I'd have been mortified if anyone had saw but obviously there was a part of me that wanted to show it so I don't know if I was uh, a, a sort of sex pest well possibly was from this story because I remember walking to school one day and there was a slightly younger girl who I, who was, who I quite liked and um, uh, I kind of had never spoken to her and I sort of went up to her and said uh, I love you would you like to see my willy which um, you know at least I said I love you it was polite and uh, it did, didn't work she was upset by that and ran away and then avoided me uh, for forever but you know that technique has worked in adult life sometimes with grown-up women so sometimes you, that's just enough to just say that so you never know it was you know saying i love you at least there was a, some romance in it but i did have this kind of desire and i didn't know why to sort of just show it to her i couldn't I remember sort of thinking oh we'd go to go to the long grass by the scout hut and then i just you know i had no idea what i wanted to do after that but you know for years after doing that when she'd run away and I was terrified that the, you know, the police would be informed and I'd be taken away and my parents would be glad to see the back of me. So I think we all have these sort of feelings and hopefully we learn to control them. Um, uh, well, here's some other men's memories of similar things so that, that will show you I'm not quite on my own. Um, I can remember watching television in the late 50s lying on the floor with my stomach while our family watched variety shows and my dick would get hard while some of the dancers would twirl and their skirts would billow up. And show their panties. So we kind of knew that this, these feelings were there. I remember playing doctor and nurses with a girl across the street. I was caught eventually. Don't know if he was imprisoned. I remember climbing a rope and getting a certain sensation. Typically in front of the class. Although they only noticed that I'd given up climbing halfway. I remember dry humping a honey monster doll teddy bear. At about the age of ten. That is worse than anything I've done. Uh, I remember showing it to five girls in my class at primary school. They went back and told the teacher I was eight. Um... Uh, All I remember is lots of wanking and rubbing against Brian Whitehouse's cock. I got a blowjob at 13 from a girl. She gave me a model airplane if I let her. That is a win-win situation, isn't it? You get a plane and a blowjob. Um, If only there were more girls like that. I remember wanking into a sock and thinking, Christ, my mum has to wash this. Didn't stop it, though, did it? He just carried on and then doubtless it kind of petrified. (laughs) I remember showing it to Sarah Dingford. Uh, I remember learning to masturbate at summer camp from other guys there and being aware enough of my penis that I wanted to accidentally have it seen in public, like going to the window with my robe accidentally open. So, you know, like many men at some point in this book, uh, at some point in this podcast, uh, I find myself thinking, phew, so it wasn't just me then. That is in the book, as I made clear then. Um, but it's kind of interesting because it's difficult for parents, I guess, uh, to, to get to get that right and, and how they deal uh with that before we get on to that though I will um read a few more there's a few more bits from the questionnaire that these are never heard before uh stories that guys have sent it in uh, onto the onto the website that aren't in the show uh and there's a lot of stories about circumcision and being upset about that there's a lot of stories and maybe remembering it for some of the older boys who for like We've had fused foreskins, a lot of guys remember that, and then either get erect or have it pulled down. A lot of unwanted erections, a lot of willy fights, a lot of crossing swords. Um, here's a few of the other ones. I remember making Star Wars monsters out of it in my bath and being told not to by my mum. I remember sticking an old 50p under the foreskin to see if I could. They were big, those. I wonder if he could, he doesn't say. A lot of things get put in the foreskin. <laughs> it might be pleasure, it might be security. I think it's mainly a curiosity. Uh, I used to try and hide crayons under my foreskin. I don't know why. I wouldn't smuggle them anywhere. I just try to hide them and then take them out again straight away. So we're very confused. Another one. I used to stack two pence pieces under my foreskin before going for a piss in the school toilets. It sprayed out like a demented yellow showerhead before firing pissy coins into the urinal. How we laughed. Uh, and a lot of these things are kind of communal activities, clearly. I was eight years old. I found a copy of the Joyous Sex Books and there was a woman about to suck a guy off in one of the images. With my eight-year-old mind, I thought the woman was singing up his cock. I wondered how it would be, how, how old I would need to be before the amplifier and my penis would be activated. Um, someone else, I first, the first boner, I thought it would never go and so I ran to show my parents. They just laughed in my face and said it would be fine. One of the many parenting skills you'll hear about today. I remember referring to my penis as my tail. On the road into town there is this hill and often when my parents would drive over it I would shout, My tail's gone cold. I remember that when I first discovered my testicles I told my father that I had found some potatoes under my tail. Poor parents, you know, it's hard to deal with this. Uh, I remember playing doctors and nurses in a mixed group of about six when I was about six or seven years old. I remember being more interested in what the other boys had than what the girls had. I also noticed the other boys were more interested in the girls than each other. I half realised then that I was slightly different from the other boys without having any clue what it meant. So we were kind of, you know, again, we were kind of aware of what kind of people we are a lot earlier than we realise and aware of these feelings. Uh, hanging a coat hanger on my tiny boner age three and presenting it to my parents and their dinner party guests late at night. I was meant to be asleep upstairs. Uh, One of my earliest memories is of my mum putting a pin in my nappy and sticking it into my penis. I'm not sure if this memory is even real, but it's been in my head pretty much all of my life. Very interesting either way. Uh, Asking my mother about erections at the age of 10 and being told they would occur whenever I thought of something nice. I thought this meant cake. (laughs) My dad would joke with me about and shout out chipolatas when I was in the bath. That's kind of weird when you think about it now. Yeah, it is. Uh, I remember trying to suck my own cock, good, and nearly dislocating a rib. rib. I blame the resulting bruising on a rugby injury. Um, Yeah, I remember strumming on my pretend guitar penis after swimming lessons Age seven. There were three or four of us in the band. I loved the uh, playing on the guitar. Memory, I'd forgotten about that myself. Um, I still remember my father's reaction when I was four years old asking him why my willy got hard sometimes and with a terrified look on his face he struggled through his embarrassment to explain to me it's something that happens when a man is excited or scared. Scared? That always struck me as a weird thing to say. I just didn't didn't get my head around it at the time. Looking back I'm guessing he just panicked but 20 plus years later I do sometimes wonder if my dominatrix fetish is somehow linked to this clumsy choice of words given to a scared and impressionable young child. Um... Someone else says Martin McCutcheon was my first wank. I'm sure that's true for many young men. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm presuming in his imagination. Otherwise, I think there'd be more of a story to that. <laughs> He'd be showing off a little bit more. Yeah, Martin McCutcheon was the first person to wank me up. Um, <laughs> though, you know, I hope she goes around performing that service. That could help her get out of the financial difficulties she's been in. I'm not, you know, I'm not suggesting that, really, of course. Not. Um, I remember crying myself to sleep when I was about 12 because I discovered one of my balls hung lower than the other one. I secretly booked myself an appointment with a doctor and he said these exact words. We're all built like that, son. It's so our knackers don't clack together when we walk. These things. It's worth talking to your kids about this stuff. Uh, Otherwise they do feel uh, that they're abnormal. Why not buy them a copy of Talking Cook? The book Talking Cock? Not Talking Cook. Oh no, I've, I've promoted the wrong thing. Uh, I think it's a great book to give to like, 14, 15-year-olds. They yeah, will learn lots of stuff and um, they'll find out that they're not alone in their strange and weird worlds of thought. Make them listen to this podcast. Not make them. I mean, ask them to. Don't sort of sit them down and force them to. <laughs> that would, It would be wrong. You have to be careful with children. Uh, as a young teenager, for some reason, I decided to wash my whole body... This isn't me. This is a person from the questionnaire. I decided to wash my whole body with toothpaste instead of soap to see what would happen. My penis felt extremely cold for a week, and I ended up having to tell my mum because, guys, was scared that I damaged it. And now some people do use uh, toothpaste in uh, for uh, if you brush your teeth before oral sex. It can add a nice little tingle. to tangle? It's like that uh, shower gel I mentioned on the Leicester Square Theatre podcast with the mint in it. it. Could just give you a little nice little tingle. Why not? But don't bathe in, in in toothpaste. It will be a terrible thing to do. Um, As befits my geeky nature, I learnt to wank at age 13 or so from a book called Boys and Sex by a guy rejoicing in the name of Wardle B. Pomperoy which Mum had bought from an Oxfam shop and Ox accidentally left lying around. I was a late developer and I hadn't read the book. If I hadn't read the book, I can honestly say it would never have occurred to me to try. I had that book as well. And again, I I, I I think my brother had had it and then I kind of got hold of it. So I remember that one very well. And I remember all those different talks. Talking Cock is a better book than Boys and Sex, but if you can get Boys and Sex by Ward L.B. Pomeroy, I would love to read it again. Um, I remember getting erect whilst watching The Darling Buds of May when I was five or so, which seems way too young. I blame Kathra Zeta-Jones, proof she can attract the younger man and not just Michael Douglas. Good point. Uh, in primary school, for a thrilling gamble, I used to walk back from the toilet with it hanging out, only putting it back in just before I got to the classroom door. So there are lots of little perverse and... you uh, know exciting yourself ideas here that little kids are coming up with it is kind of weird weird i remember pretending it could talk in the bath don't think i gave it a name though i'm not weird um <laughs> it does look like a little mouth you can ventriloquize with it um and there's a story about a famous ventriloquist that i've heard that i can't tell you there i used to be able to pee to prodigious heights alas no more sigh yeah it's true that's i wish i could do that again that's gone Uh, After being circumcised, I couldn't wee for about two days. Eventually, the pressure built to such an extent that had Norris McWhirter been present as my power jet hit the opposite wall of the bedroom, I'd have become a minor celebrity and Roy Castle would have come and met me. Um, So that's that's kind of in the bedroom. Uh, Yeah, I couldn't couldn't wee. There you go. Well, I hope Norris McWhirter would have... Would have uh, been interested in records like that. I remember playing it in the bath. My sister said, Stop doing it, you, you'll pull it out of shape. That's good advice from his sister. Doesn't work like that. Around the age of five, I developed a little dance routine that I'd do when changing into my pyjamas at night. Completely innocent and described at the time as adorable, except for the time when my grandparents and auntie were around at my house and I was encouraged to do the pyjama dance. I took off my t-shirt and shorts, then took off my underpants with my back to the audience. I turned round, wiggled my tumescent widgie up and down in front of my elderly relatives. My mum quickly covered me up and ushered me into the kitchen. I had no idea what I'd done was wrong. Uh, I remember being naked after bath time, running around naked with a towel around my sh- shoulders, shouting, I am Penis Man in front of my family. So another willy man. That's obviously a popular one. I remember once filling my foreskin with grass seed and seeing how long I could leave it like that. No idea why. I mean, it could grow. It's like those crest, little crest dolls you used to make that turned into faces. <laughs> like a little beard and uh, hair, green hair around Made of grass. That would be nice. Um, so let's see where I'm going next. I don't know. Um, yeah I'll ask uh, I'll talk about this uh, pet parenting there's a couple, actually there's a couple of emails I'll read one of these emails so thanks for getting in touch there's a guy called George I'm not sure if I can give your full name so I won't do just in case um, who emailed me do email me in to herring1967 at googlemail.com uh, and if you've got any stories or questions I think next week sorry I'm just going to ask um, about uh, what is it going to be next week I just thought I'd ask about the funniest thing that's happened with a penis to you, um, so that so girls can get a bit more involved with that one as well as boys. Uh, so just funny things. They no need to go crazy, um, but uh, that can be from any point in your life. But uh, we'd love to love to hear from you about those. I've got some good ones from the website I'll share with you. Um, George says, your talking cast cock rodcast reminded me of something from my childhood. When I was about nine years old, a few of the boys from my street were messing around in a derelict factory. As usual, there were no girls or adults around. We didn't worry about having a slash within sight of each other. One of our number had a piss and another lad noticed his willy was different from the normal. I'd heard of circumcision, but didn't really know what it was at this point. When he was asked why his knob had a shiny end before he could reply, an older boy, about 13, interjected saying he has got his plastic end attached. Have none of you others gotten yours yet? When asked what he meant, he explained that the urine was a weak acid and over the years it gradually rotted the tip of your cock away until it had to be replaced with a non-reactive plastic fitting. Everyone would have to have one at some time by the time they were 27 to 30. Some fathers, knowing how painful it was having a tip cut off, had their sons done when they were born to save them the operation when they were big enough to understand the torment. I accepted this explanation and forgot about this future problem for a while until puberty enabled me to pull my foreskin foreskin back and realise I had my own plastic built in. Looking back, I don't know why I didn't wonder how a childhood fitted piece would grow with the boy, which is a good point. Um but the, I think funny lies that kids uh, tell are good um I was always quite confused about whether I was circumcised or not actually with uh, talking about circumcision and uh, I remember one because my my foreskin kind of uh, didn't cover the entire end of my penis, and so it was kind of halfway down my penis as a kid and uh halfway down the the plastic top tip uh, and uh I remember um Lisa, someone at school had to ask me if I was circumcised and I said I wasn't sure and they all laughed at me because they thought I didn't know what circumcision was but I just wasn't sure whether I had been circumcised or not. I hadn't been circumcised. I didn't realise you know, you didn't have any foreskin at all if you're circumcised. It's an odd thing to do in it being circumcised. Anyway, I also asked um, men, have you fathered any children? How has this altered your perception on your penis? Uh, and uh, here's some of the answers for that. It made me feel more of a man. It made me more important as I realised it's true purpose in life. It made me realise my penis is not my whole world. I felt fertile and potent with a different kind of confidence after I had kids, but after 20 years, I realised it really was only a psychological hurdle that I passed. Proud, I feel I should spread my virility to the less fortunate, maybe give a few egg cupfuls to charitable causes. Yeah, not sure about that. Not sure you want to put in an egg cup. Uh, Having kids meant to me that not only was my penis a wonderful source of personal joy, but also provided my wife and me with a fulfilment of love that can only be felt by someone experiencing the birth of a child within a happy relationship. Uh, Some men don't feel as overawed by the creation of a new life. No perspective alteration. Having the children did not cause any revelations about how they were made. Another guy says, Not really. Having two boys perhaps made me more aware of its size as they constantly comment on it. Yeah, just showing off there. Uh, While others bemoan what they've lost, it hasn't altered my perspective, but after the children have arrived, I felt sorry for my penis and me because sex with the missus isn't as frequent as pre-children. I thought it would drop off once it served its purpose. Sadly, it just seems to get less use. It made me learn a penis can be expensive. And that is perhaps the best lesson you can learn. Uh, children can also be a cause of regret and mixed feelings. Ability to change things in such a large way. Unplanned pregnancy. Messed up relationship. I caused this with my penis. I still love my son. How can you not? But Christ, what a mess. So it's not all fun and games. Uh, having children didn't change any thoughts of my penis except I should pull out sooner. So I hope you're listening. Childless people at home. Uh, you know, or In one way or the other. You only have kids if you really want to have them. They're only sexual excrement, after all. Um, interestingly, it also helps some men to overcome any image problems they had previously. Whatever it looks like, it works. Absolutely. I breed, therefore I am. It may be titchy, but as the advert says, small ones are more juicy. That's certainly true. And uh, let's just see if there's... But you know, there's some kind of wisdom from kids as well, from the website. Um, and you know, the adults' responses, I think the adults sort of does, as I discussed in the show adults kind of queasiness about this does kind of bring shame that wasn't there before um here's a few few of the things that kids said men said about this from their um childhoods my mother threatened to cut it off repeatedly in a joking manner which prompted raucous laughter from both herself and my sister presumably years in therapy for him as for the man i said i remember thinking if god created me the penis what was so dirty about it why must it be shielded from view um that's very good um my father told me it would fall off if I kept touching it. Brilliant parenting skills, unless his dad is Yuri Geller, in which case that's fair enough. Uh, when I was about seven, I remember watching the A-team, and one of the women it was really attractive, and I got stiffy. I asked my dad, what's this? Why has it gone all hard? And he told me it was because I really needed to go to the toilet. So I went to the bathroom, and stood there for ages, waiting to wee, and I missed the end of the A-team. Gutted. Uh, fantastic parenting skills on display, as always, although I don't think any of the men... Above mentioned, there have been damaged by their childhood experiences. One can imagine how an associate in erection with urination could become a serious problem in later life. And although the father in the story is trying to save himself from embarrassment, there's no need to lie to children about these issues. It's up to the individual to decide how much detail they need to go into. But I think the father, in this anecdote, copes with the situation a bit more effectively. I panicked at my first erection in the bath, forgotten what age. I called my dad in and he uh, he asked if I'd been thinking about women. He then said it happened to him too and it was nothing to worry about. That's a pretty good way to respond. Um, Being straightforward and nonchalant is the best approach, according to most child psychologists. I'm not denying this is a difficult issue for a parent. As one mother told me, getting the balance right as a parent can be tricky. On the one hand, you're conscious that you don't want to make your child ashamed of their genitalia or give them a complex that will haunt them into adult life. On the other hand, you don't really want them slapping out on the fish counter at Sainsbury's every five minutes. You have to impose some kind of restrictions for decency, if not hygiene. And uh, just a few more little... uh, Little childhood memories then to end on. These are from the book. Uh, The most embarrassing was finding what I thought was a serious illness at the age of seven and presenting it in fear to a group of collected parents, cousins, aunts and grandparents turned out to be a bit of fluff from my pyjamas lodged in the end. Ah, yeah, that can happen. Watch out for that. When I was six, I had a pop gun which fired corks a la Christopher Robin. You loaded it uh, by breaking the barrel across your knee, putting in the cork and closing it. I was in my pyjamas swinging free and I closed it and my foreskin got caught in the gun... Blood went everywhere, my mum threw the gun in the bin, I was gutted because I loved that gun. I wasn't particularly worried about my knob though at the time. Uh, for some reason applying aftershave at the age of 10. Um, and so these are some of the, the, also some of the things that... the slightly perverse things that people used to do. We used to play see who can get the quickest erection without touching it at night in the school dormitory. The winner was highlighted by torchlight. Very apt. Having competition with a boy at school to see who could stick their finger furthest down their penis. Terrible perverse. Uh, my school buddies—all twenty of us—wanked off into the school sl- in the school showers together. We aimed to hit the soap bar on the floor with our cum. Lovely. Having a hard on at cub camp during a show your willy session in one of the tents, and then having a brief sword fight with one of the other boys. Uh, games of ghoulie fight with my best friend, which basically involved kicking each other in the ghoulies. I remember me- measuring it against the banisters, setting yourself a bit of an impossible goal there. That's a bit long. I was the first kid in my class to get hairy. Hurrah! Street cred at last. Um, yeah, so those are those are those, uh, the other memory I have of this what I was going to tell you is the memory of this room that again is a story I've told in uh, Headmaster Sun. This was my sister's bedroom, the room I'm in. now. I don't know why, you know, you can't see it, but that's where I am. Uh, and I used to have the room next door and um, now my sister had a friend but when I was about 14. Uh, my sister who was five years older than me. I was probably 13 or 14. She was about 18 and she had a, f- a friend called Barbie who was a very attractive blonde girl, looked quite like a Barbie. Uh, so it's quite a fitting name and I became a bit obsessed uh, with her. I remember taking any opportunity I could to look down Barbie's top. She wasn't um, even a very large-breasted girl. She was a pretty girl, but that didn't stop me. Any tiny amount of uh, 18-year-old girl's breasts I could see as a 14-year-old was a wonderful thing. The same is true, of course, of the 45-year-old me, though it's even worse uh, if I do it now. I remember once standing behind a chair uh, in the living room kind of hovering in the doorway in a place that realistically no one would ever stand because I'd noticed that she had one extra button and I I got a slightly more, uh, (laughs) a slightly better look at her um, her cleavage which was pathetic but um, the memory I'm going to talk about from this room was that um, one night she was staying over in my sister's room and I was in the room Next door to her, my sister was going to be in a different room. And I came up with a genius plan of seeing a little bit more of Barbie. I decided what I would do was that I would bore a hole in the wall between our two rooms. I'm sitting right by where that hole would be, in fact. Uh, And um, so I could spy on Barbie as she got undressed. Now, I don't know how I possibly thought this would work at all, but I gave it a good go. I I made a hole about the size of a like maybe a 2p piece, uh, maybe a bit smaller. Uh, using a compass, which I don't think was ever used for its official purpose of drawing circles, uh, a pair of compasses I just stabbed. It was used for graffiti and as a weapon. Um, I once carved the word "sex is fun" into a into a desk at school, and then filled that with ink uh, and massive letters. Um, I didn't. I'd never had sex at that point. I didn't have sex till I was nearly 20 years old, um, so I don't know how I knew this. I think "sex is fun" is the kind of thing that only could be said by uh, someone who'd never had it not. Oh, that was fun. Um, maybe you would. Just, maybe some people think it's fun. I mean, it is fun, but I just think you would use a different word to describe it. Anyway, I did quite well. I made a hole. I got about halfway through the wall, and, I and then I stopped. I don't know if that's because I re- I hit plaster board in the middle, couldn't get through it, or just I realized a, a hole of that dimensions might be noticed by someone. I might get into trouble. You know. So I was filled with shame. So I stuffed the hole with a toilet tissue uh, with the uh, tissue paper that I had in my room for some reason. And then I covered that up with a poster of the foot- Legionite Night footballer Frank Worthington. He was kind of a middle-aged man with a moustache. It was a very odd choice to cover my sexual demeanour. It was hardly the Shawshank Redemption. Um, I, I, I was kind of terrified my parents would find out about this hole and I'd be getting into trouble, or worse, that they'd find it a few weeks later and uh, assume that I'd been trying to spy on my sister. You know, or you know, worse, that I'd been making some kind of cock hole in the wall. But you know, that would be worse because it was a tiny little hole. So. Uh, some kind of glory hole to stick it through. I don't know what I was going I don't know if that was the plan. I don't know what I was doing. But um, I also kind of hoped she might just come into my bedroom, like the lady from ABBA And I sort of lay on the bed and with the door slightly open, hoping she would spot my nudity. It was just pathetic. Um, but there we go. I think this is the way we behave, we behave as kids, and it is quite a difficult thing to do. Um, so anyway, we'll, um, I'll try and read you a poem from the the poetry, of the penis. I've had a few of these in, and I remember why I, did, I stopped doing it. 10 years ago because most of them have been rubbish. I'm looking at you, Alan Greening. Um no, they've, been, they've been okay, but they're not amazing. So I've got a few from the uh, from the 2002. If you've written a penis poem, it can be about anything. It can be funny, it can be serious. uh Do send it in. If I don't read it out, it means I don't think it's good enough. <laughs> Alan Greening did a funny one, uh, spoofing the Stuart Lee poem. My penis is like a thermometer from episode one. Uh, Went comparing his penis to Stuart Lee. I thought it was unfair to Stuart Lee and not entirely accurate, so I'm not going to read that as much as I like uh, seeing him pilloried and compared to a penis. Anyway, uh, this is a poem written by a friend of mine called Toby Hulse uh, called On Learning That I Have a Son. At the 20-week scan I asked, can you tell the gender? Not fully anticipating the tiny but undoubtedly complete form the answer to my question will take. Whilst everything else at 20 weeks seems more than ant than human, the answer is fully fashioned and frighteningly familiar. The child has its father's genes in one department at least. A memory interrupts my amazement. I'm learning to pee, perhaps three, but have had trouble with a sore foreskin. My dad leans over and shows how to pull it back before going. Uh, An unmatched moment of physical closeness, once shaped, not repeated. But by asking my question and seeing the answer I take the first steps on the fatherly path that leads up to a bathroom, my son and his penis, and that moment of closeness there reenacted. So that's it, you know, it's kind of a nice thing, isn't it, the way that our um that we create this generational thing that we create children and we're reminded of our own childhood perhaps as we do that. Um but anyway, I've had a lovely time talking to you. I hope you've enjoyed me mainly reading stuff out from the from the book and the uh the website um i will just remind you of where i'm coming the gig i don't know if this is having any effect on sales yet it's too early to say this podcast but it'd be lovely if you've enjoyed this if you uh, were to come along to the show or to recommend this podcast or the show to other people if you've seen it and enjoyed it it's, i'm very pleased with it i think it's a good show and um people seem to be liking it people of all ages have been coming last night in bath there were people from 18 to 70 years old at least who were in there so it's uh, it's for all the family Though you might be a bit embarrassed if you come with your dad, as some people did to the Cheddar Kick. Uh, in fact, some of my schoolmates came with their grown-up daughters, which was uh, a slightly weird experience as well for me. Uh, but I will be. Our 1st of March in Shrewsbury. This Friday. Hopefully, probably tonight you'll be getting, if you've got this on the first day. Uh, that's nearly sold out. Uh, third uh, Sunday the 3rd in Birmingham, uh, the Glee Club. That always sells well, so book early. The 6th of March at the Northern Stage in Newcastle. Uh, 7th of March, Chorley Little Theatre, again very close to selling out. 8th of March, Pocklington Arts Centre, uh, which is where I was born and, uh, and conceived in Pocklington. So um, uh, that's coming home to me there and uh, that's quite a small venue and selling all right. Uh, 9th of March, a Saturday, I'm at the York Grand Opera House, which is a fucking massive room. If you know anyone in York, come and I support York City. Give me something back, you guys. Uh, It would be lovely if you'd send people down. There is no way that is going to sell out. So you can buy your tickets uh, on the door if you so feel like it. On the 10th of March, I'm at the Leeds City Varieties, which is practically sold out. There are just a few single tickets left there. Uh, And if you can't get to Leeds, if it's sold out, why not come to Harrogate or York or Pocklington? But Harrogate is on the 11th of March. That's always a lovely theatre. Sometimes Marlon Dingle from Emmerdale comes to that one. So, you know, you could be sitting amongst the celebrities. I've already had Trina Gulliver, the nine times world darts champion coming to the show so yeah look impressed because it is impressive she is cheddar's most famous resident <laughs> um and she's a very nice lady and uh, she's very good at dance i don't know if she plays me one versus me two at dance but she should if she doesn't if you go to com you can see all the uh other gigs that will be coming up after that i'm gonna try and uh keep these going whilst i'm on tour and, and keep you regaled with stories of the tour but as you can see I'm quite tired today, so I hope it's been enjoyable enough for you. Do go to richterring.com. You can fill in the questionnaire. Uh, Next week, I'm just going to ask you your funniest memories of the penis, of a penis, or more than one penis. Um, And uh, do send those to herring9671967 at googlemail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Do let me know what you think of the podcast. You can leave some comments on iTunes. Someone gave it a one star review because they couldn't download it and that's the kind of thing I want to see. Um, and uh, it'd be fantastic if you can spread the word about the tour. Uh, do come and say hello after the show. I always sign programs and things. So do come and say hello. And um, going all right so far, you know, there's a few down. That's, uh, I've done four of the uh, 56 remaining gigs and I did eight before Christmas as well. So, you know, it's we're well into the tour now. Uh, and the gigs you've got to look out for that are selling well. Uh, well, London is uh, on the Bloomsbury on the 12th and 13th of April. Um, I am recording the DVD on the 13th of April. So if you want to be in the crowd for the DVD book now, because that's selling very well. And the 12th of April as well. Those are the only two London gigs. It's the last two chances to see my cock in London. Um, and as I said, Leeds is selling out. Um, Salford is might be sold out very close to selling out. The Edinburgh stand that's hardly sold any. I'll tell you the ones that haven't sold very well, if you like. Uh, I think maybe because I'm up in Edinburgh, it never does all that well in Edinburgh. That's quite a little venue. Uh, The Sutton-Coldfield gig is sold out. Um, Warwick Art Centre is doing well. Wellingborough is not doing well. That's on the 1st of May. Uh, Nor is Nantwich. That's doing badly. Um, But um, Manigal is doing... Norwich nearly sold out. There might be another date added for that. And Reading is sold out. So anyway, that's enough of me saying things are sold out or not sold out. And that is enough of the podcast. It's gone on quite a long time. Um, thank you for keeping me in the top of the charts. and I'm number two at the moment. Um, keep telling your friends. Uh, see you on the road. And I am going now. Thank you for your childhood memories. Please send in your poems, your questions and your funny memories of penises. Thank you all. Goodbye.